0: Listening to the Mido podcast. I'm Ashley.
1: And I'm Megan.
0: And today we have a special guest named Stephanie Perrone, and she's here to talk to us about her son, Ted.
2: Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hi, Ashley. Hi, Megan. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. We Absolutely. really
0: appreciate you.
2: Yeah, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I always run over what Megan's saying. I'm sorry, Megan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, do you want to uh, tell us how your, your Mito
2: journey started with Ted? Sure. Um, Ted uh, is my third child, and um, he, it was a difficult pregnancy, but an uh, okay birth. He had great APGAR scores. However, within 24 minutes of delivery, he went into cardiac arrest for no known reason. Um, he ended up being in the NICU and ventilated for 17 days. And um, he was just really a stumper. They couldn't figure out um, what was happening. Uh, this was in 1999, so you can imagine we were in a technology darkness, so to speak. We really hadn't um, jumped into full on Google and all the other things that go along with, with what we have now. And um, he finally made it home and we had just one thing after another uh, with illnesses and missed milestones. At four months of age, they talked to me about maybe he has autism because there was no startle reflex. Um, There was just so much going on, eating problems, and he was my third child. So by this time, I'd already kind of known the gamut on when things should be happening, when things weren't, you know, he just, he cried constantly. I think that's like a common trait with some of these little mito babies. Um, finally, around age 11 months, our pediatrician sent us to a, a an orthopedic uh, doctor. She thought maybe he wasn't sitting up because his hips were dislocated. And I went into that appointment by myself and the doctor looked at him in about three minutes and said, this is neuromuscular, this is not orthopedic. And he was on the phone and had us over to a neurologist within minutes. And I had to, I'm in the Twin Cities and I had to drive across town. And um, I met with our new person, um, I assumed to learn that our team would be rapidly expanding. And he wasn't quite sure either what was wrong with Ted on a neuromuscular level. But in order to get him some services, he just said, let's call it CP. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go from there. So fast forward four years, we have been through every kind of therapy there is, 20 hours a week of you name it, we did it. And every time Ted would get sick, he would regress. You know, pneumonia would land him in the hospital. Stomach flu would land him in the hospital. Um, Any kind of virus in the hospital, out of the hospital. And every time we came out, he never made it back to a baseline. And by the time he was four years old, uh, an infectious disease doctor said, you know, enough is enough um, and sent us to the NIH in Bethesda, Maryland uh, for a study on immunology. And um, it was there that we met um, with a team that is now part of the Undiagnosed Disease Network. And they went through the gamut with Ted for four days and came back with the big stump. And um, Dr. Uh, Andrea uh, Gropel said, I think Ted has mitochondrial disease. Has anyone ever talked to you about that? And I looked at her and I said, no, I don't know what that is. And it took another year for us to get to a muscle biopsy. And we went to Dr. Uh, Schaffner in Atlanta and again, just Ted and I went, and um, right at the time Hurricane Katrina was coming in. So they did his muscle biopsy, um, got us out of Atlanta as fast as possible, got us back to Minneapolis, and then the clock ticks waiting for those test results. And I'm sure you guys have been there, waiting, waiting, waiting for test results. Um, we got this big packet in the mail from Dr. Schaffner. It was 28 pages, and it said Ted has uh, complex three good luck to you, basically was what it was. And I took it back to our neurologist who had kind of started the whole process. And he's like, hmm, I've never had a patient with this. I don't know what to do with this. Um, Let's go to the University of Minnesota. So from November to February, it took that long to get in at the U. And we met with their team of neuromuscular people. And they came in and just told us the, the bleakest news. They said, you know, he has complex three. We don't know a lot about mitochondrial disease. We expect him to live to the age of 10 to 12. There's nothing we can do. Take him home, love him. Um, good luck to you. And they walked out of the room and we sat there waiting because we couldn't believe that people would do that. And the nurse came in and she said, what are you still doing here? They're not coming back in. It was like, we were just dismissed with this horrible, horrible diagnosis and left to flounder. And so um, through that, I had started to connect with other families and learning more about mitochondrial disease, and um, I made it my mission to get Ted to be seen by Dr. Corson, and that took us another nine months to finally get in with Mark Corson, brought all the reports that I had, um, basically, you know, a phone book of paper, Mm -hmm. and he (laughs) looked at Ted and did a three-hour exam, and he said, yeah, he has complex three, started him on the mitococktail, started us on a whole bunch of different protocols. Um, really, finally, somebody gave us a lifeline. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, Ted just absolutely flourished. Um, it was amazing what that did. And it was great for us as his parents to be able to understand you know, what mitochondrial disease was, how to battle the energy, you know, and people always think of energy as movement. And they don't realize that, you know, you need energy for every possible thing that your body does. And so Mm -hmm. with Ted, Dr. Corson told us to use carnival tickets. And so every day we'd give them, you know, 12 carnival tickets. And then I would take three back and say, I need these three so you can eat, breathe and poop. And then the rest of the tickets, how are you gonna spend your tickets today? You know, So he would have to learn how to adjust his activities to understand that if we use up all these tickets today, tomorrow might have to be a super duper rest day sort of thing. Well, things moved along fairly well uh, for a couple of years and then the old growth spurt hit. And that is so taxing. On mito kids, he just uh, couldn't couldn 't keep up with it. We started going back into the whole immunology cycle of back into the hospital with pneumonias, back into the hospital with every possible thing, coming back out, having speech delays, having motor delays. He was using a power wheelchair at this point. Um, school was just a petri dish for him, so it was just better to keep him out of that. And, um, even some like psychological aspects are happening where he was just, it was like, I know when I'm super tired, I'm ornery and cranky. And, um, he was just not a really nice kid to be around actually. And we were really concerned. And of course we still had that daunting timeline in our head of, you know, what they told us his expectancies were. And, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, is, you know, is this how it's going to go? You know, we're going to have this horrible cranky kid, and then he's just going to die on us, and we're all going to feel bad, and <laughs> 2013 came around, and that was just absolutely the worst possible year for our entire family. Ted had an infection in his central line. He ended up in the hospital. He ended up in the ICU. We ended up in just a world of hurt. Doctors stepping over each other. Things just not working. He had uh reaction of vancomycin that shut his kidneys down. I mean, <laughs> you name it, it happened. And finally, Dr. Corson got on the phone and just said, you, you guys have to stop. You need to stop what you're doing. This is what he needs. You need to listen. And finally they did, and he, he started to turn around. His um, potassium was so high, he was having like sundowners effect, just all kinds of hallucinations. And by just giving him the right hydration levels, which is so key with kids, and letting his body kind of call the shots, letting him rest, he was finally able to turn it around and come home after four weeks of being in the hospital, you know, on a PICC line, more medications, yada, 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 Um, and he finally kind of came around, and at the same time, the NIH had contacted us for a study with Dr. Peter McGuire, the mini-study, and he was looking at Um, kids with mitochondrial disease and immunology issues. I mean, my kid was, (laughs) could have wrote the book on that study. And so we were trying to get everything coordinated to get out to DC. And then my husband suddenly passed away in October of 2013. And as worked out the day, we were supposed to be at the NIH was his funeral. So we had to, back everything up, um, get through that, and then finally we made it out about a month later to the NIH. And Peter McGuire has just been an outstanding resource for Ted. Um, He's, we finally were able to get a genetic diagnosis through him and his absolute tenacity to comb through his DNA and look for, you know, where the deletions were. And of course they weren't where you would think they would be. And Ted is definitely what they call a um, unique to you. Um, he's been in a database now with over a million m- potential matches, and we have yet to find his genetic match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter's Peters had numerous studies now with Ted and his colony of mice and zebrafish. Um, Minnesota ze- is a zebra uh, measles state. So we're not allowed to go into the lab anymore and see the mice or anything because God only knows what we could carry in. But, um, he has, um, just done so much research and helping us really pinpoint like where Ted's deficits are. So we can just shore that up and change his cocktail around and just fine tune and tweak things. And Ted has just like miraculously turned around from 2013 to today. I mean, we thought he would never drive. He's driving. He's taking um, college level classes. He's holding down a full-time job in the summer that's labor intensive. He works for our city government in their uh, maintenance, building maintenance program where he's pulling weeds and mowing lawn and coming home dirty and grubby every day and tired. But able to do it and it's just it's really because we finally listened to the specialist and the number one thing we had to do was listen to Ted's body and when he said I gotta rest I got you know to avoid those horrible mito crashes to just listen to it and just calm everything down and I am a true advocate for that stress level, when his dad passed away, the stress that that put on him was emotional and physical, without a doubt. And that was like a big eye opener for us on what to do with, with those symptoms and how to react to things. And, you know, we moved from traditional school to online school, we moved him from a full schedule to a half day schedule. You know, we did everything we could to just do like the bare minimums to keep him moving forward without being taxing. And, you know, as Dr. McGuire will tell you, it worked like a charm.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so it was, um, it's been really fascinating. And um, Peter's study has concluded but Ted is still part of his research program because now he's a control subject for how they're tweaking their study. Now looking more at LAS patients. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So um, again, we're still there. He goes every year to get his flu shot from them. Um, One unique thing with Ted, I don't know about you guys and your kids, but Ted deletes all of his immunizations. We can give him, he's been vaccinated for, you Know everything you do for your kids, and he has no um, titers for anything chickenpox, measles, mumps, whooping cough, polio. <laughs> wow. um, we have it medically documented in his file that he had mono, he has no Epstein Barr response. Um, Peter's they're still baffled by that and why he does that, mm-hmm. but um, so we're very cautious about you know like right now COVID is a terrifying thought for us Mm -hmm. um because he just doesn't have any you know viral response to things or anything really so um but then again he's doing well and he's working out in the community so it's hard to know like Mm -hmm. what his body's doing.
1: Mm -hmm. I've never yeah I've never heard I that uh Like you said, he doesn't um, have any of the, his vaccinations are pretty much null. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have heard that mitochondrial kids in general, um, the vaccinations don't work as well. Right. Um, But I've never heard that they don't work at all, um, that your body just um, negates them. Um, But that's, wow, that is quite the the journey. I definitely can say with the families and just in our own little circle, Um, it always seems that parents go through so many different doctors and it takes a while to get a diagnosis, but you started off with an orthopedic doctor, which, you know, I've never heard that route before, but, um, you definitely sounds like you've been a very strong advocate for your son and it took you a while to get there, but you got there. And I mean, it's amazing. You said he turned 21 in December. Um, right lot of mito patients that, you know, unfortunately they didn't make it there. So that's, right. that's, that's, that's why
2: it. we're so encouraged by things. And I know Megan, like you said, we had to just become such an advocate for him. And, you know, sometimes you have so many doctor appointments, you're like, what's the point of this, right? You know, it's like, what are we coming here for? What do you, what, I, I soon learned that I was in charge of them. I was their boss. I looked at it as I'm paying you you're not performing to what I need. So I would just say you are off our team or you're not, you know, you're, you're going to be benched for a while because we got to focus, we got to focus our time, our money, and our energy on what's going to really be effective. And seeing a developmental pediatrician wasn't ranking high on our list when he had ear infections every other day. So that was, um, kind of an eye opener for me to take charge like that. And that was something that Dr. Corson really mentored me on and, and gave me that encouragement to, <clears throat> you have the right to say, you know, what you, your expectations are. And it got to the point where we met with a, a new neurologist at Children's Hospital in Minnesota, because our other one retired. And his first comment out of his mouth when he came into the room was, my goal today is to not be fired. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know, somewhere in somewhere in his file, it says mom's a crazy person. So, <laughs> but you know, it just, and he admitted, he said, I don't know a lot about mitochondrial disease. I know I need to write your scripts for the cocktail and I'm going to lean on you to tell me what you need. And I know you go to Corson and he tells you what you need. So we'll just do it. So, yeah. well, but we- even... Even with insurance companies, though, the thing that would make me crazy is that we could go see Dr. Corson, Dr. Corson, and those visits would be covered out of network, of course. And he would write prescriptions, but they wouldn't cover to have the prescriptions filled because he wasn't in Minnesota. I was like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. So we just had to work around it.
0: That's such an amazing story. Like, as you were speaking, I had so many questions and I was trying to write them all down, but I then say something else. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, for for the, the cocktail, can you share with us what he's on?
2: Sure. Ted takes um, the, kind of, sort of the basics. He has CoQ10, uh, L-carnitine, uh, creatine, riboflavin, and alpha-lipoic acid. And then something that Dr. McGuire started, which we all think has been the, the kicker, is once every week on Mondays, he gets an infusion of levocarnitine on top of it. And Ted will be the first one to tell us um, on the weekends where he feels like his tank is getting low, or oh, that infusion can't come quick enough. And nobody's really sure why this is working, but it's working. And for probably a year, he also did um, hyzentra just to try to get his immune responses up there. Um, So we tried IVIG the traditional way, and it made him absolutely ill. I I could to this day, I'm still haunted by how he looked after one treatment of that. And um, hyzentra was every other week, a lot easier to handle. He still had that, kind of that day or two afterwards where he just felt really crummy, but then he would pull back out. And since, he hasn't been on Hyzentra now for uh, coming up on five years and all of his levels, his immune levels are low, but they're not dangerously low anymore. So something jump-started something somewhere, Mm -hmm. is all we can figure out. and that was uh, Peter McGuire's thought, let's try it let's see what happens, if he can tolerate it, great, and I know a lot of other Mito patients have started doing that as well and are seeing good response to it, and again it's one of those unknowns Mm -hmm. so that's what Ted takes for a cocktail, and of course you know, with Mito, it's whack-a-mole on all the other things that pop up, he has uh, uh, rapid he has, well what do all mito kids have? Basically, they all have dysautonomia, right? So he has medication for heart rate. And he has medication <laughs> because his brain forgets to tell him when to wake up. So we have medication for that. Um, anxiety. I mean, what kid wouldn't have anxiety if we have all of this going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, vitamin D. No matter what we do, and he works outside all day. He, uh, we have a lake home, he's outside all weekend. Um, he doesn't develop vitamin D. So those are always low. So we're constantly doing that. Um, The NIH discovered he has a a tumor on his pituitary gland. So there's medication that sort of helps adjust uh, thyroid issues with that. Um, So, you know, it's kind of always a roaming category of what we're, you know, (laughs) what's going to be coming in or going out, but, Right now, that's like the, the basis of it. 20 different things.
0: When you guys did the, the testing to find out what he had, was anyone else in the family tested too, or was he the
2: only one? Um, actually, they, all of us were tested. So myself, my two daughters, and luckily I had my late husband's DNA on file, and <clears throat> they were able to use that as well. And nobody had it. Not nothing. So they're not even sure how it happened; it just happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He's a definite unique to you.
1: Uh, okay. Oh, I was just going to say, as many mito kids are, I know my son is constantly being, or we're being told, he's very medically and genetically complex. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. The, the thing I like—I mean, and I shouldn't say like—but I always get a little chuckle is when we meet a new physician and they've. Luckily, read over some of, you know it. They, and then when they look at Ted and they're like, "Boy, on paper, you're a train wreck." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then, then you see him, and they're like, "Hmm, well, this isn't as bad as it looks on paper." But you know, it is what it is.
0: I liked the visual that you gave earlier about the tickets, about
2: mm-hmm.
0: tickets, and taking three away for the necessities, and that was um, very helpful. I'm sure a lot of listeners will will think about that and it's a good lesson i think to to raise your kids with for that so that they understand it too right
2: i think there's like that the spoon theory or something is something similar to that although i didn't learn about spoons until just recently the spoonies but um, i think it's similar to that but for ted he needed to understand how to regulate yourself modulate himself a little bit more in school they would constantly you know because he'd want to you know when you're seven or eight you just want to go nuts right in the gym and you know teachers are always saying okay ted you gotta gotta stay at at a level yellow and can't be green and he was like why <laughs> <So, laughs> but it, it eventually caught on yeah. And
0: how are you guys doing uh, today? With with I know you kind of touched based a little bit on it with with talking about COVID. But are you guys doing anything differently?
2: Yeah, we really limit. Um, like our our core family is really conscious about who we spend time with. Um, not attending other functions. Um, just like our my two older daughters, they're you know, 29 and 25, so of course they have lives going on, but they're very cautious because they want to see their brother, so they're trying to not intermix with other social groups. Um, We all work from home, so that helps Mm -hmm. just because of COVID. Um, Ted, for a while, couldn't go with his grandparents to the cabin because cousins were coming up that had been either had COVID or, you know, kind of had jumped out of the circle, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and so we had to, you know, wait the 14 days for them to be nullified, so, you know, it just takes a lot of conversations with, you know, where have you been? What have you been up to? You know, how do you feel? Um, For a while, Ted and I, like from March through May, we were pretty much in the house 100% together, which was taxing, but you know my sisters did their grocery shopping i mean they they pretty much eliminated any reason for us to leave the house mm-hmm. so that was it was good but it was taxing but i mean he hasn't not, none of us have have had it so that's i think encouraging
0: yeah that's very good how
2: yeah. about you guys what do you do for it um well um Troy
1: and myself and my husband, um, we are, um, I shouldn't say we're housebound. Uh, we do go run a lot, but uh, we run with our masks on and we definitely, if anyone is coming our way, we go to the other side of the street or we go up into the mountains to run. Um, we take Troy on a lot of drives and mm-hmm. we let him, of course, we're in San Diego, um, but our beaches have been completely packed all summer long so we have not been able to take him to the water but you know we'll get him out in little areas like around the bay where there aren't many people and you can watch the boats and different Mm -hmm. things but we order our groceries they're delivered Um, we don't see any of our friends as a matter of fact my parents um, who before this pandemic were at least down they live in northern california but they would come down to our house at least once or twice a month um, and we haven't seen them since March. So they're wow. about ready to set into their 14-day full quarantine of not leaving the house, and then they're driving down here, not making any stops so that they can finally <laughs> spend <laughs> some time with us. But yep. um, we're pretty scared of COVID, so um, yes. we, are all, we are on high alert, um, yep. as Ash- Ashley knows. <laughs> so yeah,
2: I hear you. It's it's no joke that is for sure minnesota's we've done a pretty good job here on keeping things as a state under wraps Mm -hmm. um but like your beaches our lakes are crazy busy in the summer i mean our our outside time is so limited (laughs) i mean it's almost sinful to be inside when it's sunny so but it's it's tough like my mom i told her if you want to see us you know 14 days and darned if that lady couldn't make it 14 days to save her life you know she'd get to day 10 and then oh she went to play mahjong and I'm like oh my gosh I gotta start over you know uh-huh.
1: so I know here we are at like five months of it yep. <laughs> that's what yeah. I was mom when are you gonna start your, your quarantine oh we will mom, we've been doing it for five months it's doable <laughs> <laughs> it's doable
2: yeah exactly so Anyway, the other thing that for me that's really helped is um, getting involved with different organizations that understand. I know last year I attended uh, Global Genes. That was really helpful um, just to hear other families with rare diseases and what, you know, how they're advocating and legislatively, you know, getting involved through that. I've gone out and been to DC a few times now and just really hammered home you know we need we need better health care we need we need NIH funding we need you know we gotta stop goofing around with everything um let's let's get serious um Amy Klobuchar is my senator I've linked up with her on numerous things she has reached out to me on how does this work for families in, in the rare world and you know we talk about Blue Cross Blue Shield like they're our second cousin and, you know, working through, you know, big insurance, and how does, you know, how does this work? How does it work if you double it up with Medicare, or Medicaid, and, you know, tell me, tell me firsthand what you've experienced, you know, and I'll show her, you know, all the EOBs, and all the, and she's like, oh my gosh, what a nightmare, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yep, it's like a part-time job, and, you know, and I'm a, I'm a, a person who works in medical device sales, and I had to take time off of my job to, help with to be Ted's person and it's like you're I'm losing out on financial gains therefore you're losing out on my spending and me contributing to my community it would be so much easier for everybody if we could just streamline a whole bunch of this and stop making it so difficult for parents who have kids with special needs Mm -hmm. I mean it's just there's no reason for it none
1: yeah, absolutely. We constantly hear the struggles with insurances not covering and just different programs and physical therapy, only being able to do it for six weeks and then insurance not covering it and unless there's certain progress mm-hmm. made and just so many different loopholes and things that you have to jump through. It's just, yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is a part-time job doing that for
2: sure. It is. And especially in the early years, again, really pre- pre-online stuff and you know, there was, it was so, it was so manual, right? And and I just learned it was almost like, you know, a roulette game, you know, just hang up on customer service and call again and see if you got somebody smarter at the insurance <laughs> company, you know? I mean, honestly, and then I would use the old uh, two-way calling thing and say, you know, put them on the phone, get the doctor's office, the billing office on the phone. And, I, and I'd be like, okay, I know I owe $20 for my copay you guys figure out who's going to pay the other 9,000 on this, but I know I owe 20 (laughs) and and then they would, Oh, sorry. My dogs are doing their thing. Um, Ted, can you get them please? Um, Just work it through. And that's what it would take. And just, you have to be savvy about things. Right. And that's what it took. So.
0: A lot of times when I would call an insurance company to discuss whatever had come up, if I didn't like the answer, I would just hang up and call back and get another person. Because oh. eventually, you're going to get the right person. It's time consuming and it's annoying, but um, like for for example, um, Angie's feeding tube every single month, I would get a denial in the mail saying it wasn't necessity for and for sustaining life. And I was like, I don't understand how <laughs> I'm getting this denial. <laughs> it's a feeding. Right.
2: <laughs> right and yeah what was their reasoning on that?
0: There wasn't. Mm-hmm. A lot of times what happens is your um, EOBs are automatically measured through just just a computer system so they're mm-hmm. all coded a certain way and so depending on what the initial code was a person doesn't actually review it so right. you would have to call in talk to a person be like look I don't know why I'm getting denied. This is a feeding tube. It's obvious that it's to sustain life. She can't take nutrition by mouth. I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm not paying the $12,000 a month for this. Like this is why I pay for insurance. And a lot of times they were pretty respectful. Um, I I had very few times where I had to really, really fight. Um, Mm I also had a great, team of doctors behind me and nurses that went to battle on everything. And I, yes. I, I, know that I was lucky because I just fell into the hands of the right doctors and the right nurses and, and mm-hmm. like our, and he fought a lot for us. Um, and the nurse that uh, I'm still friends with her to this day. Um, anytime like something would pop up for Angie and she would always check every morning, When she signed in, she's like, all right, what do we have for Angie today?
2: (laughs) Where are the prior authorizations?
0: Yeah, every day there was something. And so she would look at it first, see what was going on, talk to our pediatrician. He would just be like, no, 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 just get them on the phone. And so it was, it was nice because we just, we had those people to back us, but not everybody has that. And it's, it still was a struggle. It it was still a part-time to full-time job with, just insurance and appointments for the right appointments of the therapy mm-hmm. Who's coming to the house. Who's not coming to the house? Do, how am I going to get to work? Like yep. there was, a lot. and it, it takes a village to, to be able to, to do all of this. It does. And it was just Angie. So I can't imagine how that was when you're raising three children and then coming to, it, we were talking about in 2013 when your husband passed away and having all of that just on you. I can't imagine the amount of stress and emotion that you were feeling at that time. I'm so sorry that, that, that happened. Um, and definitely my, my condolences to you for your husband. I know it's been a little while, but it, it doesn't stop the pain. No, absolutely.
2: No, it doesn't. And yeah, it was, it was kind of one of those moments where you're like, why does God hate me so much? You know, you're like, what did I do to get all this, you know, thrown at me? Yeah. And, you know, you just really just kind of claw your way back out. You're an amazing mother.
0: And well, I'm thank you. so glad that you're talking with us today. You have such a powerful story and I'm, I'm glad that we're going to be able to share it with others. Mm-hmm.
2: I am too, because I just, I want families to know that there's hope and it's tiring and it's worth it. I will never be one of those parents though, who's like, oh yeah, if God said I'm going to do this TA again, I would raise my hand and said, yes, please pick me. No, no, I, I don't want this again. I'm, I'm good with what I got. Please don't add any more. Um, I got a crazy golden retriever. That's about all the extra <laughs> I can take right now. <laughs>
1: Usually Ashley's dog is the uh, dog or cat is the one that's huh. usually <laughs> on the podcast. <dog> <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Your cat is a little bit more vocal. <laughs>
0: well, my, my, dog, my dog did bark today, so I was actually pretty surprised. My husband came running from the
2: other side of the house to try and get him before <laughs> he took over the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's very good. That's good Good movement on your husband's part to grab it right at the beginning. He's He's like, oh, I'm going to rescue this podcast right now. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> is, there, is there anything else that you would like to share about Ted or about your story? Um, I just, just really want to encourage other families, you know, to find a, find an organization that you can connect with virtually, right, if you can't find anything in your area, whether it's a support group or just, you know, a mom's group online. I know I connected with... With Dr. Corson in 2007 he connected me to Christy Balcells and MitoAction mm-hmm. and I've been with them ever since through mm-hmm. um, so all kinds of uh, variations of what that looks like um, with with them they were only based in Boston and they definitely took me in at the time because we were with Dr. Corson so that just worked out but um, it was so helpful to connect with other families and to hear hear that I wasn't alone, because when you think you're all alone on this island, it is so dark, Mm -hmm. and now I'm constantly telling people, come join my blanket fort, come on in, find your tribe, you know, we're all in this together, and I get so many parents who just are like, oh, it's so nice to hear, you know, like your podcast is so reassuring to so many people to hear their, you know, that this just isn't them, or, you know, that it's okay to laugh about feeding tube mishaps and other things. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have to sign off. There's somebody here to grab something and I need to get it to them.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really, thank you guys. I can't wait
2: to talk with you again. Yes. Yes. We
0: appreciate you
1: sharing your story.
2: Thank you.
0: So that was Stephanie Perrone coming to us from uh, Minnesota and Uh, this is the Mito podcast. If you have any questions or if you have any ideas for future podcasts, please email us at mitopodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram, uh, with going to Mito podcast. Thank you for listening. And we hope that you join us next time.